0: And welcome to The Happy Writer, a podcast that helps readers find new books to enjoy and writers find more joy in their words and process. I'm your host, Marissa Meyer. I'm the author of The Lunar Chronicles, The Renegades Trilogy, and Heartless. Thank you so much for joining me here uh, continually in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak. Um, I just found out about half an hour ago before starting this recording um, that ALA, the American Library Association, has canceled their uh, conference uh, that was supposed to happen in June, which is a super bummer. Obviously, we understand why things are getting canceled and it's necessary, uh, but I know that a lot of authors and debut authors were planning on having their very first book signings there, Um, so it's hard. It's sad news. Um, I'm really sorry to all the librarians and the authors and everyone who was planning on attending. Um, but we're, we're going to continue to, to do our best, um, and to bring you news of as many new books and authors as we can in these, these weird, bizarre, unusual times. Today, I am super excited to have a, one of my favorite authors, um, and also a really dear friend on the show. She is a staple in the world of YA Rome coms and has written a number of my personal favorites, uh, including Better Off Friends, Prom and Prejudice, and The Lonely Hearts Club. She has also written a middle grade detective series, The Great Shelby Holmes, and her most recent YA, Realistic Fiction, A Slight Departure from the uh, swoony rom coms that she's most known for, um, is past perfect life. So I'm super excited to talk to her. Please welcome Elizabeth Yuleberg. Hello. I'm so excited to be talking to you and
1: bring some joy into this day of oh, lockdown.
0: <laughs> Let's all bring as much joy as we can. Um, I know.
1: I've, I've also been personally taking dance breaks, like dance party breaks, just to, you know, break up the monotony.
0: (laughs) I love that. I feel like whenever I'm in the midst of trying to crank out as many words as possible, the dance break is one of my go-to like pause, reset. What can we do to re-energize ourselves in the midst of this writing day?
1: Nice. What's your go-to song to dance around to?
0: Um, Ooh, good question. You know, it, it would depend on whatever I'm writing because usually you know every book has a, a playlist um yeah. and so i would turn on whatever the playlist is for the book so uh i the book i have coming out in november is called instant karma and so uh listen to john lennon's instant karma a lot nice nice yeah. cannot wait excited yeah. <laughs> um, what are you what do you dance to what's your dance music
1: Lately, it's been um, Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody Who Loves Mm -hmm. Me because I just that song is so much fun. But also I've been listening to a lot of 1989 music because the book I'm working on comes out next May, May 2021. And it's half, um, it's middle grade standalone and it's half present day and half 1989. (laughs) So when I write those sections, I've been listening to that and it's like Millie Vanilli, Paula Abdul, (laughs) Richard Marks, like Bobby Brown, uh, it's Madonna, it's it's been very fun. (laughs) So blast from the past. It's amazing.
0: (laughs) Um, So I'm so glad that we're already talking about music um, because one of the very first things that drew me to your very first book, The Lonely Hearts Club, uh, was that it was about the Beatles. Well, not about the Beatles, but heavily inspired by the Beatles. Yes, Um, heavily. (laughs) Heavily inspired. And I am a huge fan, and I really connected with uh, the protagonist, Penny Lane, because her parents are Beatles-obsessed, as my parents were Beatles-obsessed. And then I feel like the first time I met you, like that's what we bonded over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I ha- I've
1: always loved music. It's my you know, passion. I was banging on the piano. Uh, and I'm the youngest of four kids. And so my mom always said I was banging on the piano more than my older siblings who were taking lessons played. So uh, when I was five, she's like, you're too young, but I got to, you know, get you going. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the Beatles were just such a part of that. I mean, I remember in second grade, we learned Obla Di, Obla Da in, uh, in school. And I had like easy Beatles songs for the clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and piano, and I just I love them. I mean, they're the greatest band of all time. So <laughs>
0: they are, they are, and you cannot refute that fact. Greatest of all time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and talking about like playlists, it's funny because that was the first book I wrote, and I only listened to the Beatles when I was writing that book. And every once in a while, a song will come on and it'll remind me of a certain scene from that book. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I sat down to write my second book, all of a sudden I was like, oh wait what am I going to listen to now? <laughs> like I, I just was like, music is such a big part. I always have to have playlists or I always have to listen to something. So it, I do remember being like, oh my goodness. So I, I guess I'm not listening to the Beatles 24 seven while I
0: write. <laughs> so how do you go about creating your your book playlist? Like, Do you intentionally sit down like, I'm going to make this playlist today? Or do you kind of over time gather music as, as it comes to you, or as you think, oh, this would be good to add to this playlist?
1: You know, I hate to say it, but Spotify has made me super lazy, (laughs) (laughs) made me super lazy because now I just usually listen to the discover weekly playlist, um, just to have on some background noise when I write, because I don't want to, I know some authors who listen to soundtracks, um, but I'm fine with having lyrics as long as it's not super distracting. Like I couldn't listen to something that's got um, like heavy rap in it. Just, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it just would distract me so much. So I I don't, besides the Lonely Hearts Club and the sequel, we can work it out. I've actually never made an official playlist for any of my other books, oh. which, is, which is kind of nuts. Um, I'm
0: surprised.
1: I know because I love music so much. I think it just kind of depends on who I'm really into. Um, I have this book called Take a Bow, which is about a performing arts high school. And it's told through four points of view. And one of the guys um, is like this genius songwriter. And I wanted to be very authentic to how like a guy would talk who isn't just a, a normal dude's dude who writes lyrics. So I, I went through all of the lyrics of Snow Patrol at the time and wrote down, like, certain phrases, and I had that out. But I, So I listened to a lot of Snow Patrol when I was writing Take a Bow. Um, I also have a friend, Marquetta Urglova who's in, uh, in the movie Once, and she's in this band, Swell Season. So I listened to that a lot. Um, so there's certain bands and artists that I listen to, but I have to say, and I'm horrified by my answer, but the last few years it has
0: been Discover Weekly. I think that's a fine answer. We all have I, our process, yeah. our things that inspire us. So there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I
1: definitely will for the middle grade book. And I the, I just found out the title's changing, so I don't have a title for it. But oh. I feel like because in, it's about a girl who discovers this time capsule that was buried in 1989. And there's a mixtape in that. that oh. she doesn't know what it is when she first looks at it. Because, like, <laughs> you know, like, what is this? <laughs> It says scotch on it. Is it tape? Like masking tape? I don't know. Um, That is so funny. So she she does. So there's a mixtape on there. So I do know the songs that are on that. So I do feel before that comes out, I'll do a very fun playlist because, I mean, especially readers for that book aren't going to know who new kids on the block are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Does it make you feel a little old sometimes? Uh, Yes. I mean, this whole... I mean... Well, also, I so what what I love about your
1: writing, if I may talk about you for a second. No, that's not that, allowed
0: on this podcast.
1: Well, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> no, but I what I love is you are so great at creating worlds where they're so visual, uh, not only knowing the characters, but just the the world. And like when I think of Heartless, I think about um, wait, I'm always awful at titles. That's right. Heartless. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yep. gosh. <gasps> and I'm like in that cover, is in my head, but thinking about like all those stores. You know, that, that world that you built, I just, it's still so clearly in my head. And uh, I'm horrible at description. So I had to write from the point of view of an 11-year-old in present day looking at a cassette tape <laughs> <laughs> and had to describe her looking at it, not knowing what it is, but to describe it in a way that people who know what a cassette tape is would understand <laughs> what it is. It was
0: not easy. <laughs> yeah, no, I can totally see. It'd be, like, <laughs> describing this alien technology and... <laughs> well, and also, like,
1: she finds a roll of tape, uh, a roll of film, you know, but it's actually the disc film. Do you remember disc cameras? Where no. it wasn't, like, it wasn't, it was for, like, it was when I was really young and it was good for young people because it was just, like, a disc that you put in a camera instead of having to, like... You know, with regular rolls of film, you had to kind of crank the film. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so the disc was—you just like shoved a disc in, and uh, so she finds that and has no no clue what it is. But I had to do all this research, and when you're like, oh my gosh, this was thirty years ago, like 1989 yes. was thirty years plus now. <laughs> right,
0: right. No, it's it's bizarre. You know, my um instant karma that's coming out this year is it takes place modern day and so it's contemporary teenagers um but it has a huge music theme and there's like a karaoke theme and like your character i have a character who wants to be a songwriter and is music obsessed Um, And so there's lots of musical references throughout the whole book. And one of my beta reader, as she's reading it at one point comments, "Um, Marissa, are you going to mention any modern music (laughs) (laughs) that these modern teenagers are supposedly listening to? Because I'm like, let's talk about Led Zeppelin. Let's talk about Elton John, you know? And yeah, so I had to go back and be like, I don't know, Bruno Mars, maybe? (laughs) But
1: it's hard though, because when you... Mention modern bands, it dates
0: a book so it quickly. It does, I know. No, and that's something that contemporary writers have to be really aware of, um, whether it's music or TV shows or anything. Yeah, I I generally will either
1: make up something, <laughs> <laughs> or just make up something, or I'll do something that I know is not gonna go away. Like you know, with the Beatles, obviously. But I remember in Better Off Friends, I do a Kelly Clarkson quote, and I was like, I feel like she's fine. Mm. But there, there's, um I won't say the name of it because I, I love the book, but many years ago, my book club read a book that had only been out for maybe five years. And there were references to Party of Five, which was no longer on TV, and Leo and Titanic. And this is when, like, Leo was doing, like, his drug-fueled movies, you know, where he's like, I want to be considered serious c- so I'm gonna you know do the beach and all these other Aron guard films like and I just it took me out of it because I was like oh yeah this book was written five years ago hmm but Bruno Mars is good I think has like,
0: been around a while yeah I, anyway <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. um, we should probably talk about your new book so, We're just gonna talk about music and, and dating ourselves this whole this whole know yeah. the, There'll be teenagers being like, wow, these women. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Past perfect life came out last year. Um yes. it was so good, but quite so oh. different from from your norm, um, in a way that yes. I found really intriguing. And so tell us about it. And I wanna know where the idea for it came from. Yeah, thank
1: you. Yeah, it's weird because, you know, ideas come from lots of places. And okay. I wasn't, I say this idea came to me because I was watching the news and I remember the day, it was October 2015. So, also shows you how long it takes for books to get published. But mm-hmm. um, I was watching the news and uh, there was a story about a boy who had gone missing and was found alive and well and 15 years after he went missing in Ohio. And I was watching this story because generally when kids go missing for a very long time, they're usually unfortunately not Mm -hmm. found. Like there's usually not a happy ending, but what was even more unusual was he had no idea he'd been missing. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching this going, Oh, this is crazy. It was because he was a senior and His social security number got flagged and uh, I remember watching the news and the local sheriff said, can you imagine finding out that your entire life has been a lie? And I just sat there and went, oh my gosh, that would be so horrible. And I'm kind of obsessed with that idea. And then it was a news story the next night and it just kind of was in the back of my head because I was working on um, other books. But I kind of couldn't help but think about that, about what it would be like to think your life is one thing and to find out nothing that you know about your past is true. And the original title of Past Perfect Life was before and then a slash and after. And we couldn't do it because, fun fact to those writers out there, uh, when you use any kind of punctuation in your title, um, unusual punctuation, and this would be a backslash, it makes it difficult for Uh, people to look it up in systems
0: (laughs) oh interesting I didn't know that yeah
1: yeah because it's like if someone was to type it on a you know an onyx system which is the system that publishers use to feed out information of their books to online retailers if there's uh before is there a space before the backslash is there not it can really mess Mm. up things (laughs) it's so it's so silly, but uh, but anyways, this, is this
0: day of technology, we haven't solved that problem.
1: And you, honestly, <laughs> they could, they could figure it out, right? But
0: like, <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah. But anyways, um, uh, but that's how I saw the book for so long. I saw the before what this character, my character's name is Allie, um, her life in a very small Wisconsin town with her uh, widowed father, or so she thought, and um, and then she finds out that everything's a lie and we in the aftermath of that and um the s- story that I was inspired by the kid was 18 so he was able to make his own decisions on what he was going to do but I made my character not 18 because I wanted to see what decisions were being made that didn't affect you because also when you're 17 you feel like you have control over your life Of uh, you know people who are deciding what colleges they're going to go to or if they're not going to go to college if they're going to do technical work and and you feel kind of by the time you're 16 or 17 you're in charge of your life but according to the eye of the law you are not so it was uh, yeah a very different book for me to write and very hard I was uh, not a lot of dance parties with this one <laughs> you needed more dance parties I did it was uh, more dance parties for sure and then uh afterwards I'm like I need to
0: write a fun book again <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's I mean it was so different but it was so compelling and I love you know in your inspiration story and that that idea of what if you found out your, your entire life was a lie and you really play with that theme throughout the whole book um and as a reader like, you are forced to confront that possibility. Um, and and I know I've constantly found myself, you know, really in these, this character's shoes and, and thinking, you know, how, not only how hard it would be recognizing that everything was a lie, um, but then she is, once she discovers that she's been kidnapped, that she has this whole other family um, she's uprooted from her life and dropped into this completely different life, uh, and how disconcerting that would be, um, at any age. Yeah.
1: You know, I had to be in her head and, uh, you know, when you're writing, you need to know what your character wants. And the issue for me was I knew exactly what she wanted. She wanted her life to go back exactly the same way it was. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't give her that. It was just not something that was possible. And, you know, feeling really bad of all the stuff I was doing to her. But also, you know, it wasn't just her that this happened to, you know, she had this other family that had been looking for her mm-hmm. for 15 years, who she had no idea that they even existed. So there was that, you know, struggle of them already being at this place of, of knowing and wanting her and her not being able to catch up because she just didn't have that history with them because she didn't know they existed. Um, and yeah, so it was a really hard time to figure out what is the, what's the best way I can get everybody to the end of this book with the fewest bruises possible. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And I would, I I mean, I also have to point out, and obviously it's a young adult book. Um, so your, your main readers are, teenagers, at least targeting teenagers. Um, but as a mom, you pull a lot of strings, uh, for no. And it's, I mean, in a good way. I mean, I think that's one of the wonderful things about books is we do read, um, in order to be put into these other heads and these, these situations, even if they can be terrible and tragic and, and so difficult. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, there were moments in reading that book where I would like have to stop and Appreciate my children, like, oh. in that moment, you know, and yeah, I mean, it really, it really got to the heart of it.
1: I um, was home. Was I home for Christmas? It must have been Christmas, and I uh, had an advance reading copy of the book, and I gave it to my mother, and she's like, "Oh, great!" and she starts reading it in front of me right then and there, and I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. what are we doing?" <laughs> I was like, "How dare you!" <laughs> like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was, it was funny because I would like walk into the living room and she'd be sitting there and reading it. And it just makes me a little paranoid. But uh, at one point I was in the next room and I just hear her sigh very loudly. (laughs) I'm like, you doing okay there, mom?
0: And she's like, no, I just, I have a lot of things
1: to say to these people. (laughs)
0: Right. Oh, I know. I know. I had a lot of conversations in my head with the characters, I must say. (laughs) My, I, was, my, I was rooting for your protagonist so strongly.
1: My, my favorite part is I was in... So my parents know when I'm home visiting and if I'm in the dining room with both doors closed, that means I'm working and they're not supposed to bother me. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it's very funny. But I'm working and all of a sudden the doors fly open. My mom goes, I just got to the part where the FBI show up. And I'm like, uh-huh. And she goes... No, I know why it's called past perfect life. I'm like, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I
0: know because truly, you set up such a perfect life for this character. Um, you know, it's very idyllic. The where the book begins, um, she, wonderful relationship with her dad. You know, she likes her school. She likes her small town. She has a great group of friends. Like everything in her life is going well um, and in a way that's almost dreamy sort of. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, you just tear it all I away. I take it all. Like I the know. horrible, I... mean writer that you I... are,
1: but you know what? So I want to ask you this because let's not pretend that you haven't done horrible things to your characters. Let's all, I mean, mine all
0: live for the most part. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, but- it's true. I mean, writers, that's kind of what we do though. I mean, that's, if you write a story in which nothing goes wrong, well, that's not much of a story. Well, yes. And you know what's funny?
1: I'm, I'm curious if this is you as well. When I wrote my first book, The Lonely Hearts Club, my editor really pushed me. Uh, so it's about this girl who gets her heart broken and decides to stop dating boys because they're not worth the trouble. And uh, he needed the breakup scene to be worse. Like he's like, "No, I want her to be humiliated. I want her heart to be broke. Like you need to go there." Mm. And I remember writing, rewriting that scene, and just being like, "I am so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry." But now, now I'm like, "Oh, like Mr. Burns, excellent!" Like, what can I possibly do to, you know, make everything in this character's life horrible. Um, because I always say, like when I do writing workshops, I'm like, all right, so you got your character, you have to know what they want, you know, and then, and then what they want is over here and you have to figure out the 18 million ways you're going to make it impossible for them to get that because it would be really boring if it was like a girl walked in, she saw her crush, he asked her out and she said yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, the that's end. The- Bo- happy so
1: boring. Me. Like everybody wants, they think they want the happy story, but you you know you want an eventual happy ending, but you can't make it easy. So now I'm like, are you like that too? Now I'm like, what possible thing can I do wrong?
0: Oh yeah, and I don't. I mean, I feel like I've always been like that. Um, <laughs> I've never had any trouble doing mean things to my characters. <laughs> learning um, a lot about Marissa today. Yeah, no, it's, it's part of what makes. Story's interesting um and engaging. And I also like I'm a believer in I love happy endings, of course, and I love writing happy endings usually. Um, <laughs> but I th- characters have to earn it. You know, if they don't earn it, then it's not nearly as satisfying. Oh, a hundred
1: percent. Yeah. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Just remember that, readers, when you get
1: mad at us, we're <laughs> doing it for you. We do it, do it for your entertainment. Do.
0: <laughs> they do get mad. They do get mad. Um, what about, so you've also written middle grade. Um, is there a difference? I mean, obviously, I'm, I guess not obviously, but I'm assuming you can't push your characters to the limit that you can in YA, or how do you feel about that? So the, the biggest difference for
1: me in writing middle grade and YA is that middle grade, you have to keep the action moving. Um, and because they will get bored quickly. Like in YA, we can luxuriate in feelings for a really long time. Um, and in middle grade, no, you you got to just keep the action going. And uh, so it's just pretty much that. It's just more uh, because you can up the, the, the risks for, for middle grade. And I do think, um, you know, Harry Potter did that when it was just kind of like, it started off kind of a little more innocent, but people lives were still at stake. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't, I, I mean, I almost kill a character, but <laughs> um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it's more just kind of how you write and just really keeping the action going um, and not being able to luxuriate in feelings. Like they're allowed obviously to have feelings and they have to have emotional arcs, but it's more just, keep going, keep it going. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do now to keep my attention and make me want to turn the page? I think I've become a better plotter because of uh, middle grade and also writing a mystery is very different. And uh, so it's been kind of fun to use that hiding things and having reveals in my YA work since then.
0: Yeah. So t- I mean, I, for readers who are not familiar, tell us about Shelby. Yeah, so The Great Shelby Holmes is
1: uh, my take on Sherlock Holmes, where Sherlock Holmes is a nine-year-old girl named Shelby, and uh, it's told through the point of view of an 11-year-old Watson. Shelby is his neighbor who he meets on his very first day because she almost blows up the building, (laughs) which was me being like, I have to start this story off with a bang. I think I'm going to almost blow up a building. Um, Just a science experiment gone wrong. And he meets her and they end up becoming uh, partners um, in solving cases around their neighborhood and school. And what I love about it is that I purposely made the two characters as different as possible, just not only in what they look like regarding gender and race, uh, but their personalities are very different. Because Shelby is very ma- much based on Sherlock, and that is not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> is incredibly smart, but is also uh, she's very bossy and has a very short temper doesn't feel she needs friends and Watson's very friendly, but they compliment each other. And I kind of wanted to have that to show that you could on paper, not have something in common with someone, but could still end up being friends and compliment each other that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And also solving mystery has been really fun because uh, I always say that I like writing stuff where I get to have fun with the research. So in addition to having to watch a lot of Sherlock Holmes adaptations, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, <how> terrible. <laughs> I know, poor me, having to watch Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, but I also did a lot of research on forensics and um, forensic psychology. So it's it's been like I always say I can solve crime now.
0: Yeah, so. you're pretty
1: much a detective. Um, I like my sister's a federal probation officer, and I'm always like, if you need help with anything, <laughs> she's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> she
0: hasn't taken you up on it, huh?
1: Yeah. She's like, we're, we're actually good here with the federal like <laughs> CSI people.
0: <laughs> so you'll show them someday.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, but I have that- to say, yeah, my favorite part about middle grade versus YA is that the readers are hilarious. <laughs> like doing school visits for middle grade, you walk in, they do not know who you are, but you are the biggest rock star. Mm. of all time because you've written a book and to them that is they'll be like you wrote a book I'm like yes
0: that's so cool that's such a big deal I'm like I know thank you for acknowledging this <laughs> yeah no that that's a, a major tip I think for authors to yeah. if you want to be happier go present your book at like elementary schools
1: oh my god yes like they are they are so
0: enthusiastic
1: they just, and then afterwards they just want to hug you or tell you about their pet, you know, like just they, and, and they'll be like, you're my favorite author. I'm like, what books of mine have you read? None, but it does not matter because you have written a book and you are in front of them. Ergo, you are their favorite. And I, you know, go, you know, you made a good choice.
0: Right. Yeah. You can't fault them for that logic. Uh, it's such a fun age. Yeah. Whereas with teenagers and I love teenagers and I love my readers. Um, but if you go into like to present at a high school, yeah, you really have to work to win them over. It doesn't happen naturally.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, one of my friends once said this really great and I'm going to butcher it, but when you walk into an elementary school, those kids sit down expecting, like already expecting to be amazed. Like they're, they're just going to be like, this is me, the greatest like hour of my life. Yeah. And with teenagers, they just kind of just, you know, they're forced to be there and nobody ever likes at a certain age to be forced to sit there and listen to something if they're not interested in it. It's different. Um, and I'm sure you, you would agree when it's your event where people are choosing to come. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when, you know, the teenagers really talk to you about their feelings and how what you have written has influenced them. So that connection is different. I think it's deeper and it has more meaning, but they have to have chosen.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It makes a huge difference. Um, although I will say with with doing high school visits, um, and by and large, they go great. Like, I, I really enjoy speaking to students. Um, and I've only have a handful in memory that were like truly painful experiences. Yeah, for the most part, they go really well, and and they're really receptive. Um, but there have been so many times when you know you're talking, you're giving your presentation, and you can't really tell like are how engaged are they, are they caring, have I won them over yet? Um, and but then after the fact there's always inevitably at least one student that will come up to you and like have this revelation of like, wow, I want to be a writer and you're the first author I've ever met. And this is the most magical moment. And it's like, there's always something that makes it truly worthwhile by the end.
1: Yeah. And I hadn't done uh, like high schools in a really long time. And I did them this past spring for past perfect life. And I was terrified (laughs) because my first Six years in publishing, I only talked to you know teenagers, and then I went to middle grade where you're a rock star, and you know I could be extra goofy. And part of me was like, get it together, Yolberg. You're talking to teenagers now. You can't be as goofy. I mean, I'm goofy <laughs> by nature, but like, don't be such a dork. Try to be cool. Try to you know be hip hopping. And what's the four one one, boys and girls? Um, but I was really nervous, and I ended up having a great time uh, because. They, I was talking to mostly writing classes and, uh, I always think the boys are going to roll their eyes at me and usually, and you know, they'll, they'll surprise me every once in a while. So,
0: mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I just I have this wonderful vision of you like showing up in front of these groups of teenagers and being like let's talk about mixtapes yeah hey hey guys hey, what about the, what about that new band you know called you know I don't know
1: Matchbox 20 they're happening right oh I have tickets to go see Matchbox 20
0: <laughs> nice I, have, I saw that I've seen them in concert <laughs> uh, it's, they were on my bucket list and gosh I hope it doesn't get canceled it's not until oh. this fall oh so you fingers should be. crossed I think I think will be good by then. But yeah, yeah be, I'd be, I mean, I'm upset about a lot of things being canceled, but Matchbox 20 would really put me over the edge. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like by fall, I mean, I, I it, look, if things aren't better by fall. I've... Yeah. No, I, I think we'll be fine. I think I'm safe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you, you kind of mentioned yourself a second ago, you have this Incredibly effervescent personality. Oh my god! Um, thank you. It's one of the things I adore about you <laughs> because we always have so much fun together, and, and when we chat together. Um, but I have to imagine that even you, Elizabeth, have days where you don't want to talk about writing, or you don't want to write, or things aren't going well. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you do? What do you do in in days when you're just not feeling it? You know, it's. It's fu- it's funny. I So I, right
1: next to where I write, I have all of 12 of my published hardcover books right next to me. And I'm always going, looking at them being like, you've done it before, you know, like you just kind of that pep talk of, you know, you you've done this before, you can do it. But there are days where I don't feel inspired. But sometimes I have to say, is it that I'm not feeling it, because that's completely a valid feeling to have, or am I just being lazy? (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. How do you tell the difference? Fine. So I make myself start writing and
1: I always have, I give myself a goal every day. And so when I'm writing, it's a certain word count And for, uh, if I'm editing, it's a certain number of pages or chapters I have to do. And I find that I struggle the most when I have to do a first draft. And usually I end up getting something down. Um, but I also, if I get bummed or I'm just having a hard day, like that's okay too. And, you know, I always look to like, I'll have a dance party to get myself excited or I'll talk friend because we've all been there. And what's interesting is, you know, we live in a time of social media where pretty much people curate their life. I feel like people are being very honest right now because we all are going through something very scary together. And I don't know anybody who's like, yeah, I love being at home and not being able to leave. You know, um, you know, we're all kind of, you know, feeling a little bit of anxiety. Um, But a few years ago, I posted on Twitter, like something where I said something like not a good day, not a good writing day, lots of tears, but you know what? Tomorrow I'll try again. Mm. And it was such a weird thing because I had so many people contact me. Mm Mm-hmm to be like, are you okay? Because they aren't used to me being like that. You know, it's usually like, oh, hey, what's going on? I eat cheese, you know, like, You (laughs) beetles. And uh, so just just like, you know, whatever, right? You know, I love Chris Pine. Um, So I think for me to be just very real and vulnerable, you know, but I had friends who texted me, like New York Times bestselling author friends texting me saying, hey, I saw your tweet. I've been there. Like, you'll get through it. Like, nobody who contacted me, they all wanted to make sure I was okay, but also reassuring that what I was going through wasn't unusual. And I wrote about this um, for Bustle when my uh, book, I had a book called Just Another Girl that came out. It was a YA book about, it was a love triangle, but it was about the two girls involved, about how you really don't know someone unless you're in their shoes. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of feel like when I'm having a bad writing day now, this is my 18-hour-long answer to your question, <laughs> of I feel like I like to share it now. Mm-hmm. I, feel like it's, I feel like when I get frustrated, it's important because I think there are a lot of writers out there who want to be writers, who want to publish a book, but have a bad writing day or have a day where they don't want to write and then think, well, I'm not meant to do this because I had a bad day. And it's like, we all have bad days. And uh, so you know, I just try to just get the work done. I'm very much like you got to get this work done today. And usually once I sit down and start working on it, it'll happen that doesn't mean I haven't like
0: cried and then done something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, or I, I think you're right. I think that it is uh, there's this feeling of connectedness when we start to realize that, oh, everyone feels this way sometimes, you know, even, even the happiest writer sometimes doesn't feel like writing. Um, and that's kind of as much a, a legitimate part of the process as anything. And then you see like
1: other writers be like, here I am on tour or here I am, whatever. And it's like, yeah, Elizabeth, you've also been the one who has posted those posts. <laughs> you yeah. know, like everything's great. So yeah, it's, it's I, I try to just do whatever is going to make me happiest um, and give myself rewards. If I'm especially having a bad day, I'll be like, you know, if you get this done today, you can go have a walk and have a cupcake.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yes. What What could be better? Cupcake. No. And I, I also really, I loved what you said earlier um, about like it being, it's a valid emotion that sometimes you just don't feel it. Um, and I think that a lot of writers, like you say, we kind of question those feelings and, you know, you can, you can talk to yourself and be like, you know, you're being lazy or you're just procrastinating or clearly something's wrong with the book. Clearly something's wrong with you. Um, But, but I don't think that's always necessarily the case. Sometimes you just don't feel like it and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, we all, and also
1: we need to refill the well, you know, like it just, it's important. And I think it took me a really long time to realize that sometimes taking a day off to just watch TV or go for a walk or, you know, read something else is, it's okay. And part of my job too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, you mentioned filling the well, which brings us to the lightning round. Ooh, here we go. Of the podcast, <laughs> the, the happy writer lightning round. Uh, and question number one, how do you fill the creative well?
1: Music. And, and just like walking. I love, I just, I live on the waterfront. So I'll I'll walk along the waterfront and listen to music and just kind of just let my mind wander.
0: Um, what book makes you happy? Oh, oh, it's so hard.
1: That's so hard. Oh my gosh. Why would you do this to me? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you know what? I know. But you know what? I will say the book that I have read most recently that I loved and hugged and just wanted to just make sure the book was going to live a happy life Mm -hmm. (laughs) was, and this book is going to live a very happy life, was New Kid by Jerry Craft, which won the Newbery. It's a graphic novel. And it is delightful, and I loved it, and it made, just made me happy. I have not read
0: it. I will <gasps> put it on my list.
1: It's so – I mean, it also deals with some serious stuff, but it is funny. I snorted a few times. Like, I was just like, that is, <laughs> that is funny. I mean, it's great. I mean, it is poignant, but it just, you know – But if I ever really need to just giggle, I'll read a Captain Underpants book. Oh. <laughs> I <laughs> – no, I was his, I was Dave Pilkey's publicist for like six years. So I, I love those books. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to admit it. No one should be ashamed to admit what they
0: love. No, exactly. <laughs> um, what do you do? I mean, you mentioned cupcakes and going for a walk earlier. So you've maybe already answered this question, but what do you do to celebrate an accomplishment?
1: Really? I'm, I, yeah, I'm into food rewards. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it, no, I, if I turn one, I turn in a book, I, I get a massage. Um, and when I was uh, still working full-time, I had to write on the weekends. And if I got 5,000 words written on a weekend, I got to go get a cupcake. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but now I do. I celebrate or I'll go out with friends. I do, I do try to – I don't know um, if this happens to you, but I think as you get along in this career, you sometimes forget to celebrate, like, getting a book published because mm-hmm. we're so busy – you know, doing publicity or going on tour or doing school visits to be like, I just had a book come out. Yeah. Like, Yeah. What do you
0: do to celebrate? I feel like I need to do more stuff. <laughs> no. And that's one of the reasons why I want to ask this, that particular question um, to, to every author that I have on here, because I do, you're exactly right. It is something that you forget after you're on your you know 10th 15th 20th book um it can start to feel like oh yeah just another one and i never want to get there like i always want to you know pause and celebrate every accomplishment because it is an accomplishment and it doesn't stop being an accomplishment just cuz you know you've you've done it before um, and yeah and also i feel like um
1: especially how the publishing industry is now that i don't take for granted that i get to publish still publish books because what debut year were you? 12 2012 I, I mm. was 10 and there are a lot of authors in my debut year who no longer publish. Yep, yep. Truth. And, and so I do like, hey, I'm I'm still here. I'm still around. Like,
0: go <laughs> <know> me. <laughs> still relevant, still doing it. Um, yeah, no, but I I'm, I am also a fan of the food rewards. Um so a lot of times like for a book coming out, um, I'll usually have champagne, um, nice. a glass, a, a glass or
1: bottle of champagne. Yeah, you know, hey, no judgment.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, but I also like for me, my big celebrations is not necessarily the publication day of a book, but when I finish, like actually turning mm. that book. Um, and so, usually, my my tradition is to go out to the movie theaters um, by myself and <sighs> see uh, some like t- is the cheesiest chick flick that's currently playing or whatever, yes. um, superhero movie is currently playing. Um, because I know that my husband won't care that I went without him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's my, oh my gosh. Yes. Um, what are you reading now or what's next on your TBR?
1: I am reading right now, I think I'm going to finish it today, is um, Megan McCafferty has a new YA book coming out in June called The Mall. It takes place in 1991 in a mall. <laughs> it's it. a theme. <laughs> it is. I know. Well, she and I were talking back and forth about our, our years, you know, and in the songs. And so um, I, I got an arc of it. And it is exactly what I need right in this moment. Like, mm it is fun. It is, it's, uh, you know, about a girl who works in a mall and, uh, her, she had a plan all of her life and it kind of gets turned upside down, but there's also this mystery as well. And there's lots of references, uh, you know, and also talk about like how old I feel like we were, I I'm, I'm lumping you in with this, like hmm. mall kids, like malls were such oh, a huge part. Yeah of our lives. Like, you know, orange Julius, you know, oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, Claire's. Yes, Claire's. Oh my God. Did
1: you have Maurice's or is that a Wisconsin thing?
0: Maurice's. Maurice's uh, was, I don't, oh my I gosh.
1: Don't think so it was just where everybody got their clothing. Everybody had to have the striped shirt with like Maurice's logo that was, um, embroidered. Oh my <laughs> God. So I just, it's, yeah, it comes out in June. It's just, it's just
0: delightful and fun. Um, um, yeah, I'm, it's great. <laughs> I, I love delightful and fun. Um, where can people find you?
1: I am everywhere on social media. So uh, my website is Um I made a, probably a big mistake of not having my Twitter and Instagram handles be the same thing. Um, fun fact, my full name is too long for Twitter. Uh, so i Liz Yulberg over on Twitter, but the full shebang, Elizabeth Yulberg on Instagram. And yeah. And I feel like, especially now, um, I, I'm trying to be more on uh, social media just because I feel like people just need stuff. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel, which uh, just, I think if you just YouTube my name. I don't even know if it's, if it has a channel name, it's just
0: Elizabeth Yulberg.
1: <laughs> As you can tell, someone just got into YouTube to post videos for uh, kids who are stuck at home. <laughs> yeah. They so, need you.
0: Those kids stuck at home, they need you, Elizabeth.
1: I, you know, I do have to say my favorite thing is um, I, so a couple of videos, I read the first chapters of some of the Shelby books and my brother sent me um a video of my little eight-year-old nephew who I'm his godmother watching my video and cracking up. And I just was like, I'm gonna watch this. You know talk about like finding joy? Like I swear, if I need to get cheered up, I'm just gonna watch that video
0: on repeat. (laughs) That's the best pick me up. I love that. How just how sweet. Oh my god so cute. (laughs) Um well that is thank you so much for joining me today, Elizabeth. This was so much fun. Oh my
1: gosh, thank you for having me. This has been like the highlight of my day. And let's be honest, week, maybe maybe entire spring. <laughs> As a, but a, no, I, I appreciate it. I'm so excited. You have a podcast, uh, something to listen to. And uh, I always love getting an
0: opportunity to hang with you, even if it's via the internet. Yes, via the internet. It's all the hanging out we can possibly do right now. But I do look forward to when we can see each other again in person. There will yes. be a day. Yes, yes. <laughs> And hopefully I won't have to be six feet away. Hopefully I can actually hug you. (laughs) That would be awesome. Thank you, Elizabeth. And thanks everyone for listening today. Please make sure to check out Elizabeth's books, um, including her most recent Past Perfect Life, And, uh, the, the Shelby, what is the, the current, the most recent, the great Shelby Holmes and the haunted hound and the haunted hound. That's right. So spooky. Um, uh, and of course, if you can, we always encourage you to support your local indie bookstore, especially in these times of need. Uh, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at Marissa Meyer author Or visit my website, marissameyer.com, and let me know what author you'd like me to interview on an upcoming episode. Until next time, I hope you guys are staying healthy out there, stay cozy in your bunkers, and as always, please try your best today to make someone else's day a little bit brighter.